Welcome back to For the Elevate. I'm your host, Ellie Topinka. This week, I am talking to my brother-in-law, Tim. We discuss mental health in men and all of the stigmas attached to that. We talk through what we can do to help lessen that stigma for the men in our lives, and more specifically, the little men in our lives. I loved this conversation, and I really appreciated Tim's vulnerability and honesty telling his story, and I am so proud to call him my brother. All right, let's get into it. Timothy, welcome to For the Elevate. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you asked me to come uh, talk to you. I am so excited too. Um, so Tim is my brother-in-law. I don't even like to say brother-in-law. I usually just say brother, but he's not my biological brother. So we will say brother-in-law and he is married to my younger sister, Kelsey. And you guys have been together total. I mean, including dating like 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, crazy that's crazy. So fast it goes. I know. So I've known him a very long time and consider him to be like my brother. And um, today we're going to be talking about um, anxiety. But before we kind of jump into that, I'm going to have Tim introduce himself and feel free to share whatever you want. Awesome. Well, hello, everyone listening. Uh, my name's Tim. I am 30 years old and live in Leland, North Carolina. Uh, well, it's actually Winnebo, but we tell everybody <laughs> Winnebo, <laughs> not a country, you know. <laughs> uh, so I live with my lovely wife Kelsey, and we have two boys, Liam and Lincoln. Uh, Liam's three and a half, and Lincoln's one and a half. Uh, and then I work in Wilmington, North Carolina, for a senior living development company as the director of business development. So that's a quick elevator pitch yeah that is a perfect elevator pitch you got that nailed down (laughs) I love that so um like I said we are going to be discussing um anxiety and first and foremost just want to say up front like we are clearly not professionals neither of us are healthcare professionals or counselors or anything of that sort but we're just going to be kind of explaining and kind of talking through our own lived experience with it so Um, I first wanted to ask, so, well, let me tell this story first. So Tim um, posted, I think it was, was it last year when you did the Facebook post? Yep. Okay. Well, it was Facebook and Instagram, um, just kind of talking about how he had um, been struggling with anxiety and that it was something that he felt like he wanted to talk about because it is such a stigma in men specifically, but just mental health in general has a lot of its own stigmas. And he just kind of laid it all out there and I was reading it and I got, and I know I've told you this, but I was genuinely surprised by it. And mostly because I, I, I've known you for over 10 years and I just didn't think of you as like a naturally like anxious person. Like, I, I guess I just wouldn't have like thought that. And so reading through it, I was like, dang, like, do I even know him? Like my brain just like <laughs> exploded. And I was like, so I remember texting you and just saying like, I'm really proud of you for putting that out there. I know that couldn't have been easy. It's not easy to talk about in general, but especially just being a man in our society. Um, so I guess, you know, we'll kind of get into it, but that's kind of how this whole idea, this topic for to talk with Tim specifically kind of came about because I knew, I know him very well. I feel very comfortable with him. And so I thought it would be a perfect person to talk about this topic with. So First, though, I am kind of curious, like the first time that you realized that you had anxiety. Yeah. Um, So if that surprised you, I think um, kind of 
when it all began might even more surprise you. And if I tear up, I apologize. Oh, it's okay. Um, I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready for tears. <laughs> but um, I, I've honestly known almost my whole life that I like to call it a, a chemical imbalance of sorts uh, is what I like to call it as opposed to, you know, depression or anxiety, um, at least now. But uh, when I was 11, um, I had such severe anxiety and depression that I was actually put under psychiatric care for contemplating suicide. Oh my gosh. Um, I did yes. not know that. Yeah. Well, now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, having two boys like and thinking what that could possibly be going through. Like it, it was such a scary time, obviously for me, but for my family, um, right. you know, I don't envy that for anyone. Um, and it's something that I've really held that super close to me. I think uh, literally maybe my immediate family and Kels knew that (laughs) previous to this, but that's why I I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you opening up about that and being willing to share it because that's a, that's a big deal. And I mean, at that time in society, you know, mental health, uh, certainly among men, but I think even in general, um, you know, it's not as supported as it is today. So that's why I think, this is amazing. And, and where we've got to, we have so, so much further to go, but where we are today is amazing. Um, and the crazy thing is though, is like, while I had some, you know, blips of anxiety and depression throughout the years since then, you know, it got really bad, obviously. And I got on medication and, and went to counseling and stuff. And then it just kind of ran its course. Um, and, and since then I I've still had it and dealt with it but um it was just something I kind of swept under the rug Mm -hmm. and I I just kind of was like you know these are just blips you know mental health is somebody else's problem that's not really my problem I I don't have it all the time so it's not really an issue to me right um but then in November of 2021 um my anxiety just like reached a tipping point and it wasn't blips anymore. Like I, w- I was drowning in it. I mean, home life was drowning. Work was draining me. Um, and it was the first time I've ever had this, but I had a panic attack at work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack. but Oh, yeah. Oh, it literally feels like you're dying. Yes. I mean, you, I couldn't catch my breath. I was just, and to be at work, it's like, I don't know, it like made it even worse. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like where, where you're supposed to have this like professional face on and, and then this very intimate thing is happening that you can't really control. So yeah, that's, that's a difficult place to have a panic attack if you're going to oh, have to have one. Yes. It was the worst. Um, that I, I went out to my car, I was bawling. I called Kels and, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I want to quit my job. Like, I it, it, I don't know. I don't want to say midlife crisis because I, I hope that I'm not there yet. But <laughs> You're not quite midlife. Literally but <laughs> was just like, I just, and I, I wouldn't even say I was necessarily depressed at that point. Like, I didn't want to commit suicide or anything like that. It was just, it uh, the I always like to hear the quicksand analogy. Like, I couldn't dig myself out of it. Right. I just was sinking into quicksand and I literally just couldn't get out of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew I had to do something. So finally I set up an appointment with um, my doctor and he recommended going to see a therapist and, you know, it's never, I, I, I pushed it off. 
I was like, I don't, I don't need to. And then I finally just like, I I got to, so set it up. Um, Shout out to Miss Emily. She's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Miss Emily. Yes. And uh, after going for a few um, therapies, we decided to start me on medicine as well. Um, So I take Lexapro and it has, I mean, life changing. I feel like it's not, it doesn't even put it to justice. It has been amazing for me, um, therapy and and medicine, and just getting me back to balancing my imbalance. Yes, yeah, I think that's a really good way of explaining it. Is it you just feel so to kind of back up a little bit? Like I believe that I have always had it as well, like anxiety. And it's interesting to hear you say like there's been like blips because that's exactly how I feel too. Um, I remember very specifically this one time I was probably like eight or nine and we were camping and I was laying in. It's so clear. It's so crazy how clear it is. Cause I don't remember a ton from being that young, you know, and mm-hmm. I was laying down and I just could not catch my breath. And I was just starting to like panic. I mean, I was literally starting to probably bring on a panic attack. And at that age did not know that that's what that was but I could not catch my breath. And I remember saying, okay, you can breathe just, you know, and kind of like bringing myself off the cliff a little bit. And it's crazy to think about because back then I don't even know what I was anxious about. Like, I don't know what I could have been anxious about necessarily. Um, But then I don't remember having it. Like, I don't really remember dealing with it for a long time. And then um, in college I had a falling out with, well, it was just post-college a falling out with a friend. Um, and it really spun me out. Like I hit a, hit a low. (laughs) Um, and it was, I mean, I was just a hot mess and I could not control like my emotions. I, I mean, it got so bad to the point where I went to the doctor because I was like, there's gotta be something medically wrong with me. Like I felt so horrible all the time. (laughs) And then, um, it got a little bit better. And then, over time, I was like, okay, I'm doing good. And then I had Chandler and then I spun out again. So I do think it's kind of one of those things where like life circumstance and what's going on around you is a huge component of, you know, kind of putting you into these modes. So just so people kind of can understand maybe where you were. So you're post pandemic, (laughs) which is a whole thing in and of itself. You just had your second baby at this point, you know, this last this last kind of bout that you're describing. So it's just like a lot of life change happening. That's natural to feel like very overwhelmed. I mean, anyone would feel overwhelmed at, let alone someone who has a history of anxiety and depression. So I hope you know that that is a very normal reaction. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's what therapy helped me so much with and realize it's like, and you know, and you know, I'm sure there's going to be people who are listening who know me, but a lot that don't is I am a perfectionist. So when things don't go according (laughs) to plan and that was so key. Yeah. So, I mean, and what caused this panic attack at work, um, similar to your situation and just remembering it so vividly is like I was working on something and somebody made a change to like what, what they wanted me to do right at the end of when I was almost done with like the project I was working on. So it's like, 
yeah, it's a big deal, but I mean, it, it's an everyday thing. It's just right. it's something changing, but that with everything else going on in life, yeah, just that one thing and, and it could be that easy. Yeah. Well, that's what, so I was going to, I, that was kind of my next thing I wanted to talk about. So what would you say if you can identify, because I don't think I can't all personally, I can't always identify like my, like my triggers. Like, I don't always know why I feel anxious all of a sudden or why all of a sudden I'll just kind of get like, oh my gosh, I'll feel really, really overwhelmed or feel a panic attack coming on. Sometimes I cannot, which is maybe more frustrating. <laughs> like, I don't know people, you know, Jordan or, you know, other friends be like, what's going, what's wrong? You know, what can I help with? And I'm like, I actually don't know. Like, I don't know why I feel like this, but yeah. <laughs> it's, which is super annoying um, and very like hard because you want to be able to pinpoint it, but I guess what are, if you have them or, you know, like, what are some of your triggers that kind of like bring on this, like, you know, these blips? <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I totally agree with you. And unfortunately, that is just the case. A lot of times it is where it's just like, you don't know when it's going to come and you just kind of deal with it in, you know, whatever way possible. Like for me, it was. Uh, at least through through therapy, it was like grounding exercises. And the one that worked for me is if I'm starting to think negatively, um, then I, I, I love baseball. So I start naming off the baseball team. So just re redoing my mind. Uh, yeah, like recentering kind of. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I was unaware of this before therapy, but because our lives are so busy and just life has gotten busy our brains, you know, seek shortcuts to cut down our mental burden, which is awesome. Yeah. But obviously those shortcuts, you know, can cause, can cause some issues. filters that, you know, may fuel their anxiety. For sure. Um, and then I don't know. So are you in therapy right now? I'm not currently. I have in the past. Um, I, when I, like what I mentioned when I was going through that hard, you know, falling out with that friend, which we reconnected and it, that was amazing. So that's a happy ending. Um, but, uh, I did during that time, um, we did some premarital like counseling and that kind of, cause I was, I was very anxious about like marriage and what that was going to look like and what expectations were for us, like as a married couple versus just being two people that are in a partnership together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did some of that and that was super helpful, but I have not, and it's something that's been, this sounds so bad, like on my to-do list. <laughs> so bad to even say out loud yeah but I would I really and not even because things are not in a good place for me right now things are actually really good but sometimes that's when you should go is when things are really good so that you kind of stay in that place rather than spin yourself out and then have to fix some of that damage so yeah but I I mean this could be your therapy yeah, that's true. Kind of feels like it is so far. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like talking to people and like, and I kind of hope that, I mean, I am not saying like this in any way should replace actual therapy, but I do think that this podcast hopefully can kind of be a good way for people to kind of feel like they belong and that there are other people that feel like them or have gone through similar things or even you know a lot of these first couple episodes have been kind of heavy and I apologize for that I didn't mean for it to be (laughs) such like heavy topics we will have some more like lighthearted, fun topics so please do not stray because you can't (laughs) handle the heaviness maybe but 
Um, I hope, yes, I hope that like through this, this is like such a good outlet for me. And that was part of the reason that I wanted to do it is because for me, one of my triggers um, and like things that I've kind of been struggling with is like the balance of being a mom and just being Ellie and not having not feeling like there is it just kind of feeling like there's only mom Ellie, Mm -hmm. like not like a personal, like I have my own hobbies and interests and you know, that kind of thing. And that's not anyone's fault. I just want to be very clear. That's just kind of, I think a lot of us just fall into that once you start having kids, moms and dads. Um, so for me, this is like an outlet. It's like a way that I can be creative and do something that is just for me. It has nothing to do with Chandler. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about motherhood. I guess, you know, that relates to my child, obviously, but yeah. it's not, it's not for him. So yes, I no, do think-, I think that's a perfect distinction because motherhood is a part of you, but it's not you. Yes, it's just exactly you. And yeah, no, I, 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 and I really think if anybody has anxiety or depression, I'm not like seeing a therapist for me, it worked. That doesn't necessarily mean it will work for you. Like I genuinely think this could be an avenue like for you instead of if you ever needed to see a therapist, like this is something that you love. And I've graduated therapy. They call it graduated. And like something that we made sure of when I did that was scheduling once a week, listening to a podcast or scheduling a family outing or scheduling something for me, golf or something like that, Mm -hmm. at least once a week to, for that exact reason that you just explained, like you need to have your own time and you still need to be Ellie. You still need to be Tim. Right. And so that was a big thing that she made sure of before, you know, getting oh, my that's... certificate is, right. yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. Sure. I love yeah. that. Cause I think that is something that especially, you know, and not even just parents, but people that are very, very focused on their career and get so in the, like in the weeds of just, you know, climbing the ladder. And, and that's amazing. I am not downplaying. I'm not saying that that's not a good thing, but if you're not pouring into yourself in other ways, you're going to burn out in, you know, at some point. And so making sure that you are mentally and spiritually, if that's part of your life and emotionally healthy is so important. And I've like learned that, that, you know, my, the counselor that I saw, um, that was forever ago now was really good about, um, just, I mean, obviously this is their job, but like, sometimes you just need to vent to someone that literally has no weight in your life outside of that room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so di- it's so different to like, I mean, I can call Kelsey or I can call Trisha, my sisters and like vent away, but like they have a relationship with Jordan. Like if I need to call and like vent about my husband, like they're like, okay, Ellie, but we love Jordan. Remember? Yeah. And like, which obviously, yes, I love, my- I love him too. But so it's easier to like go to someone that has, no connection to you in any other way. And you can just say, I just need to get this out. Like, yeah, absolutely. whatever, whatever it may be, you know? So I'm a huge, huge proponent of therapy, counseling, whatever that may look like. Like I said, you don't have to be in a bad place. I don't think to start, I think you can be in a really good place 
and you're doing it proactively to make sure you don't get to a bad place. Agreed. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes, you know, unfortunately, like us, we get to bad places first (laughs) (laughs) and then then we have to go, you know, or we choose to go. So I think that's awesome. So I, I mean, and to be completely upfront and I've kind of talked about this, I posted about this on Instagram that like, I also am on medication, um, for me, for years. So back when I was dealing with it, you know, post-college, I had gone to a doctor, um, had kind of spoke with them about some options and his advice at the time was, you know, you're young. I mean, I was only in my early twenties, I think. Um, he's like, you're young, you know, if you, if you want to go on medication, we can try it. But I really advise, you know, getting good sleep and healthy eating and exercise. And so for a long time, I really did manage my anxiety through those means. And for me, exercise is probably the number one way to do so. Like, and I'm not talking like going ham at the gym necessarily. (laughs) Like I will go for a walk or go for a hike or, you know, whatever. It doesn't need to be anything like strenuous, but just like moving my body gets me a little out of my body. I know that sounds weird, but it helps me like regulate those emotions and like those feelings. Cause for me, I don't know about you and we can kind of talk through this. We kind of did a little bit, but like my anxiety manifests the most like symptom wise in my breathing. So I get like very short of breath. My chest feels very heavy. Um, so much in fact that I've had a friend, this was again, years ago, when I was going through all of that, where we were just hanging out and I just kept like taking like very, like as if I was running and we're literally sitting in her living room and she just looked at me and she's like, Ellie, are you okay? And I was like, what, what do you mean? And it almost had gotten to the, it's so bad. It's it's like almost you have to laugh because it had gotten so bad that it was happening so often and all the time that I didn't even recognize it almost yeah, like that, it, it's scary almost it, it was yeah, and, I, and she uh, was like she was like you're breathing so heavily like you keep taking a deep breath and I was like oh yeah like <laughs> like I was just like yes that's what I do you know uh, I'm anxious like yeah so but now um when this last bout kind of came up after I had Chandler um I talked to my um primary care physician and she recommended again to look into counseling if that was something that I was or therapy if I was something I was interested in which I was but again like with a newborn baby that is so difficult Mm -hmm. um and so I did not prioritize it wish I would have to be honest um but we did start me on some medication and it's a pretty low dose but it has been life-changing like it totally I mean I think I started on it two months after Chandler was born um or around there And I've taken it consistently since I take Zoloft. Um, I've had no real, like that I've noticed like weird reactions or side effects or anything like that. And in fact, I mean, I take it so regularly. I mean, I always take it. There was a couple weeks ago, I forgot to take it and cause Chandler started swim lessons. And so I was like rushing around in the morning and I completely forgot to take it. And by like two o'clock, I said to Jordan, gosh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I am so anxious today. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I just, it was so crazy. And then he goes, did you take your medicine? And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's it. (laughs) That's it. That's, that's, I didn't, you're right. So, I mean, for me, even just like one day, like I noticed it was crazy how effective 
it is in my life. And I'm not, you know, not to say that it is perfect for everyone. And, and sometimes you have to like, kind of try out different things. I've had friends that have tried Zoloft and been like, Oh, this doesn't work for me. They've needed to try something else. So if you do need to try medication, first and foremost, hear from both Tim and I that it is okay to take medication. <laughs> um, 100%. Also, it does not need to be forever. I think people get very in their head about taking a medication and they're like, I can't be on this medication for years and years. Well, maybe you won't be, you know, maybe you'll be able to move past that. But if you can't, that's okay too. Yes, exactly. 100%. So, excuse me. Um, so we, you kind of touched on it and I am curious. Um, and I know it's something (laughs) now I'm like, oh gosh, I make fun of him for this all the time. So you are a bit of a perfectionist (laughs) and, um, we kind of joke, which I don't like to joke, but you like things. I don't like to call, I'm never going to call someone or I would try not to call someone like, oh, you're being OCD because that is an actual clinical (laughs) Yes. You know, that, and I, to my knowledge, you've never been um, actually clinically, diag- diagnosed. clinically diagnosed as having OCD. So I won't yes. say that you are OCD, but you are very particular yes. about how things are done or how things look or whatever. So do you kind of want to talk about that and like how you've kind of had to work through that? Because as a dad of two toddlers, we've discussed oh. that's really not the oh. easiest thing to handle. So I can see that being a huge trigger and like spinning you out. Yeah. So when I first started therapy, I truly thought like, I thought that was giving me my anxiety. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't feel like I was drained at home, but it wasn't my kids or, or Kels that was draining me. It was, I didn't feel present there. Yeah. But I thought it was all because of work. Uh, And then realizing, you know, talking about what was happening at home. So, like, at that point, Kels was still working at home with two kids. Praise her. I still honestly have no idea how she did it. But I I just have no idea. I tell people all the time that she must be the best multitasker ever because I can eat I can't even well first of all I can't even pull out my computer without Chandler just coming up and just banging on it so it's like I like physically can't do it because he's just in my space and won't move so I'm like how did you do it with two kids hanging from you and I love I oh my gosh we should find that picture that you took maybe it's a video you took of her and I'm pretty sure it was when Link was an infant still and she's holding him in one hand She's got her headset on. She's talking. She's got her, she's typing with the other hand and she's like got her legs kicked up. Like she looks like <laughs> so like chill and I'm just baffled by it. Like, How did you do this? It's cr- uh, And then Liam's in the background jumping on the couch, you know, yeah. like just being crazy. So I mean, truly Anyways. amazing. So shout out to her. Like, cause I still don't know how she did it. That yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I'm still amazed, but so I would come home from work and I mean, the house would be a mess, obviously, you right. know, like, like you think, I think back to it now, I'm like, what else could she have done? <laughs> right. But at that time I was like, what is going on here? And I would get home and I'd start cleaning. I'd right. start putting all the toys away. I'd start putting dishes away. I'd, I'd get the house straight. And then five minutes later, the kids were dumping out the toys and then I would just get frustrated at them. 
Right. And because it wasn't how I pictured it in my head, how it should be. Yeah. And my therapist said it to me and she was just like, you, you need to let them have their own time. This is going to create, this is how they learn creativity. And yeah. if you're cleaning that up, you're taking their creativity away. And I needed to hear it from that perspective. Yeah. So she was like, I'm not telling you to keep it like that. Like when they go to bed, go at it. Go down. <laughs> Get after it. Scrub those floors. Fine. But like, if you <laughs> want to be present at home, you're not being present with them. If you're just putting their toys away and not playing with them like that isn't, if you're just doing the dishes when they're playing, like that's not being present with them. So right. I've made a conceited effort to when I get home, I put my phone in the room and we just play. And it doesn't, it's not every day. It's like, oh, dad's home. Let's play. Like, you know, I'm not (laughs) perfect dad coming home and stuff like that. But it's, it, it is looking past what's going on in the house right now because I know I'll be able to do it later on. So it's, I didn't have to stop being a perfectionist. It was just kind of changing around my schedule of, how how you perfected things exactly exactly (laughs) yeah because she was like that's honestly not gonna be something that and and that's a good thing to be in in some senses yeah you know in in others it's obviously it's gonna be a little harder for you but it's not necessarily a bad thing and that's something that that you just have to learn to live with And, and even she said before she was like sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it she I mean, it wasn't that every day's peachy. So yeah. that is the, that was the biggest one for me on being a perfectionist and a clean, you know, freak of like how to deal with that situation. Yeah. Because it's naturally going to make you feel very anxious. Like the minute you walk in the door to see that. So your natural reaction, because you're trying to get rid of that anxious feeling is to do what's best for you, you know, for you it's better to clean it up and be done with it. So it makes sense to have that reaction. I have a friend who I will not name, um, but I love her dearly. She has a lot of the same tendencies. And I remember saying to her one time, like, you know, I hear you. And this is how you prefer to have your home because it makes you feel better. But this isn't just your home. Like this is your kid's home this is your husband's home you know and that's kind of hard to like swallow because you're like yeah but and I mean I (laughs) I get it but you know there are things like I didn't want two big screen TVs in my living room for however long (laughs) but my husband likes to watch March Madness with two massive TVs in the living room and I'm just like, okay, he lives here too, I guess, you know, like, (laughs) whatever. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yes, sometimes you have to give and take a little bit and it's, but it is hard. I feel like it's extra hard when you have those underlying anxieties to have to like ignore them because it's such a physical response sometimes or a mental response that you literally can't ignore it. Um, that makes it difficult. So if I ever made you feel bad about being a perfectionist, this is me. This is me publicly apologizing. <laughs> no, and I've never felt, I've never felt, I think always, not to, not to shout out or call out Trish here, but she always messes around with. She does. She's oh, like, gosh. she's like, yeah, if I'm not finished with my drink before I put it down, <laughs> get taken away. And that, that is, is so that true. Is honestly how I am. And 
honestly, I'm causing other people anxiety by doing it. You know what I mean? So I, remember, I needed to simmer it down. I remember one time coming to your guys' house and getting a cup of coffee. And I, I set my coffee cup down to go to the bathroom and I came back and it was gone. And oh, I was like, gone. I was like, what the heck? And you, and you, and you were like, well, you set it down. I'm like, I had to pee. Did you want me to take it with me? Like, that's weird. Um, so anyways, oh, that's yes. so funny. Well, I'm glad that she gave you some tools um, to kind of like help that or, you know, because you're right. It is, it, you know, she is right. That is, that's how kids learn. And that's probably one of the most frustrating things about kids is like, they don't know what they don't know. So like mm-hmm. they have to learn things. And a lot of times they're learning things in ways that are super inconvenient and annoying to us. Yes. So it's just kind of like simmering down that own internal voice and that internal anxiety and being like, this is fine. Yeah. And just I'm... try enjoy that moment. Yeah. <laughs> right. Try and see what creativity that they're making. Yeah. So that's been, yeah. it's been super tough. Yeah. It has been t- and I still sometimes like, if they get one box out, I start cleaning up the other box and still still on the floor playing with them. So, I mean, it's certainly not perfect by any means, um, but I, I'm present and that's the right. biggest thing. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know if you really have mentioned this yet, but how do you feel like your anxiety kind of shows up like symptom wise? Like I, you know, like I said, for me, it's like the breathing, the shortness of breath. Sometimes I get very dizzy or even feel especially if I'm like, really, it's like almost on the verge of a panic attack. Like I feel like I'm nauseous, dizzy, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luckily I, I don't have any, um, unless I've had, and I've had a few panic attacks, Um, but anxiety in general, I just kind of, I shut down. Like Mm. I'm, it's more like a mental. Yes. I'm physically there, but mentally, if you ask me later on, like, what's going on I I won't remember a thing yeah um and kind of pre-medicine pre you know whatever you want to call it remedies it was literally just going and laying down and just like tuning out the world and again thankful for an amazing wife man I'm shouting her out a lot yeah she's (laughs) she's all right she's She's decent um (laughs) She would let me, you know, so having, having a good support system helped with that. But in the other sense, it's like, gosh, then it adds to the anxiety because now I'm leaving all this burden on her. Um, so certainly those did not help and those symptoms do not help. But yeah, yeah, just for me, it's literally just like, I just tune out mentally. Yeah. Well, that's what I think is so interesting about anxiety in general. Um, And, you know, I don't think that I personally have really suffered with like depression necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had some like postpartum like baby blues, um, but I thankfully haven't really struggled with that side of mental health. But for anxiety specifically, it's like it can show its head in so many different ways, you know, like people can have very emotional reactions and get very angry or get very just emotional, like crying or, you know, whatever. Or um, for me, it's very physical. Like it's literally breathing feels like my chest. There's like an elephant sitting on my chest. I mean, it is a physical experience. It can be like you said, it's like very mental where you literally just shut down So it is so crazy and it's hard to explain to someone, especially that's never dealt with it, 
what it's like or what it feels like because for sure. it can there's be no one way. Yeah. Exactly. It can be so many different things for different people. And so I think that is even harder to understand from an outsider's point of view who doesn't deal with that stuff. They're like, what do you mean? I don't yes. get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I and I know like Jordan, for example, like he really doesn't, I am so envious. He's just really never dealt with anything like that. And he would, you know, he's told me that like, I just don't really know, you know, I don't really know what you mean. And I'm like, I, I know, like, that's okay. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I can't force you or get you to a point for you to understand, you know, I just need you to know that like, I'm having a moment right now. Like, yes. I just need to communicate to you. <laughs> I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to understand that, like, why I'm kind of reacting this way or having this moment. So, um, so I do want to talk about, um, specifically kind of the stigma of mental health in men um, because it's definitely not something like you said, we're getting to a point in general in society that mental health is more talked about. It's more discussed. People have more of a voice in expressing that. And I think that's amazing, but I do still believe that specifically in men, it is still very much a societal norm to have the man be put together you know, the leader of the family, it, the, you know, the strong one, the one that doesn't show emotion, all of those things. So what for you made you like willing to come out and like express this? Yeah, no, that's such a good point because I, I don't think I'd be telling anyone listening anything new if I said men are the furthest behind and talking about <laughs> mental health. Uh, I mean, you grow up learning you know, to be a man and tough it out and all that stuff. So, you know, the thought of mental health is a weakness. Um, But which is so sad. (laughs) It it is. It is. And I mean, like, but like I said, even from my own personal experience, I swept my own under the rug because of that. Um, And I, I think I wanted to come like share that with you. You know, it helps me. It genuinely helps me getting it out, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able for others to hear. I mean, if you followed me on Instagram and listen to Ellie, you knew me for 10 years and and hearing about my anxiety was a surprise to you. I had no idea. You know, social media, I absolutely love it, but it doesn't tell the whole story. Absolutely not. Yeah. So hearing this, I hope somebody else, I mean, I'm happily married. I have two beautiful kids. We live in a beautiful home. I have a great job. And I still dealt with this mm-hmm. and still dealing with this. It's not like it's just gone. So right. if I could have it, I'm not, again, saying, you know, I'm Mr. Perfect or anything like that. But like, I I have a, an amazing life and I still am dealing with this. There's others who are dealing with way worse. Right. Who are probably dealing with this. Um, and I think me specifically having two boys of my own, you yeah. know, I, I want them to be able to open up about anything on their mind you know I don't want the fear of society perceiving them of being anything less just right or even or even the fear of dad being like oh dad you know dad dad I shouldn't cry in front of dad or I shouldn't you know whatever and first of all for anyone that does know you you are one of the most emotional men I have two of the most emotional (laughs) brother-in-laws like both of my brother-in-laws are (laughs) the sweetest most emotional will both of them will draw like 
just ball at the drop of a hat like just cry <laughs> about like happy moments you know everything like I love that and so you you know you already are an emotional guy you know so that's a that's a good thing and I think your boys are gonna see like you know dad's not afraid to like cry when he's happy or you know to cry when he's sad or you know whatever so I think that is a good thing to just for people to know too like that is part of your personality to begin with yes yeah and it I wish more people men specific would open up because even like that post that you had talked about at the beginning yeah um I, I went back today and I went and looked at it and the support was tremendous, but it was mostly women yeah. commenting on it. Like I, I think even men are scared to even potentially comment on the subject for the fear of just looking weak. And yeah, we're getting there. We really are, but there's still such a, a barrier to break. Um, I, I mean, when, when you finally, you're seeing athletes come out, you yeah. know, people who really have the life or at least perceived life, Right. Coming out and they're dealing with this, like a lot more people than you realize, you know, have anxiety and the, the, the best way that helps it or truly is by, by talking about it with yeah. somebody with somebody doesn't have to have it, you know, just being right. open minded too. right. Hearing somebody. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious, did you have any, like any of your guy friends or even, um, is this something that you, you have two brothers? I mean, we don't have to get too much into family, but you have two older brothers. So like, mm-hmm. did your brothers talk, you know, did you guys talk about this as a family? Did you discuss this after you did this big post, you know, was there anybody that came out that reached out to you that was like, this was super helpful for me, you know, thank you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think I started, um, my medication in November of 2021 and therapy. And so that Christmas, I, I opened up to my family and, you know, super, super supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, it's, everyone's told me, you know, they see a difference and, and stuff like that. And then when I did post, yes, I had a few people who had reached out via text and said, Hey, you know, that was awesome. Can you actually tell me who you go see? Oh, that's um, so good. Yeah. So like that made me feel good that it did, you know, silently helped. And that's yeah. the thing is, I know I just said it before. It was only women, mostly women who had support right. on the. Like, it doesn't always have to be, you don't have to scream it from right. the rooftops. Well, and that, you don't, <laughs> yeah, and you don't necessarily have to know that it made an impact. You might not even know that you mm-hmm. posting that made that, you know, a huge impact. Because maybe somebody read it and they didn't reach out, but they were like, wow, yeah, I I need that help too, you know. And they And they might not just, and I think that's, I think part of us and you know, wants to know like, Oh, we helped somebody. And that feels so good, but we don't always know when we've made an impact on someone's life. So just because, you know, somebody didn't reach out doesn't mean that it didn't make an impact. So that's such a good point. Yes. And that just because you start something or start medication doesn't mean that you have to be open about it either. Oh my gosh. No, Um, it's a very personal. personal, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is not us being like, if you're on medication, you better write on this post and tell us like, no, like this is, (laughs) this is like very much a, this is me putting myself out there. If you feel drawn to do that as well, because it helps you fabulous, you know, but you don't, yeah, this is, don't feel a pressure to 
voice this, but we want, you know, I, I want for my son and for my nephews. I mean, I have four amazing nephews raging from one and a half to 18, (laughs) you know? So I want them all to feel like they are able to do that growing up. And I think that this sounds, I sound so middle-aged when I say this, the next generation, (laughs) God, but I feel like the next generation is going to be so much more likely to do that because there are people like you who are raising boys that are going to be modeling that and discussing that. Um, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but, um, and I can send you the link directly, but I bought a book called raising emotionally strong boys um, by David Thomas. And I actually, I follow kind of him and have kind of listened to some of his interviews and stuff. And it's the tagline. Um, the tagline of the book is like tools your son can build on for life. And it's basically just talking about how, um, it says Thomas helps you understand the underlying root of their anger, anxiety, and depression and how to foster emotional intelligence. And ultimately like, that's what this kind of boils down to in some ways is like, being emotionally intelligent and realizing like being able to process your emotions and understand them and be willing to voice them um, is not something that has necessarily been cultivated in our society, especially for men. So if we can start doing this for our boys and our, our kids, then it's only going to help, you know, further that for years and years to come. And that's something that's super important to me. There is nothing, I shouldn't say nothing, but there, one of my biggest triggers is when someone tells a little boy like to stop crying, like I will come for you. (laughs) Like a boy is a human being and they are allowed to have emotions. Like it, if they fall and get hurt, they, I've seen grown men get hurt at softball tournaments and ball like babies, (laughs) but then they yell at their kid when you know, it's just, it's crazy to me. It makes no sense. It, that is, if you ever say that in front of me, you better be ready for a conversation. <laughs> At least coming for I you. I am coming for you. And this is even before I had a son, like this is just in general, like it drives me insane when people try to, I mean, it's, it really is so sad to me that people kind of place these expectations on like toddlers even yeah. i'm and like a, this is when it starts you know this is obviously when you start molding your children so when you start bottling up one emotion that obviously then triggers other emotions exactly and like we kind of talked about like for you it's your response to these anxieties is a like a mental block but for some it turns into rage and that's you know you see men and women that have like severe anger issues because Mm -hmm. they don't know how to process these anxieties and this, these emotions. And they're, they just don't have the emotional intelligence to decipher what they're feeling and how to process it. And so it comes out as anger and then, you know, people could get hurt down the, you know, an adult man who has serious anger issues is not good for anybody, (laughs) you know? So (laughs) you're exactly right. So it's like, you know, these things can, they snowball, you know, and it's, and it grows. So it's, I think that you being aware of it, you know, and obviously like, I did not know that you had dealt with what you did as, you know, a 
basically a preteen, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. And I really appreciate you sharing that because I had no clue. And that's a very vulnerable thing to share. Um, so clearly, you know, you kind of had some of those things probably as a little kid. And it, and I'm not placing blame on anyone. This is not, you know, and sometimes this is not, it's not even your home. You know what I mean? It's not your parents or whatever. It's like just society around you. It's at school, like other kids saying things to you. And, you know, maybe a teacher that says something. I'm not saying that it's your parents by any means. Oh, um, yeah. You know no, what I mean? Exactly, but yes, exactly. But it's, no, it's everyone it's surround. It's your, it could be a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, uh, you know, like I said, somebody at school, it's not necessarily always in the home. So there are some things that are out of your control, but I think that if you instill what you can, um, in your kids, boys and girls, um, that they at least have a foundation to work off of. Yes. So hopefully that is strong enough that those outside pressures or those outside, you know, kind of people nagging at them is going to be, it's going to allow them, they will have the emotional intelligence to process it and to shrug it off because of what, you know, you guys have taught. So, yeah. Speaking of that and to go on a, a somewhat lighter tune i was actually watching because we i'm sure you've seen this movie um uh luca yes oh i love luca i literally last week it hit me that well you have a bruno in your head is is you have anxiety you're having Uh these cognitive distortions in your head of like these negative fat and I'm, you're a lot smarter than I am. I'm sure you realized this long ago. I haven't even no. looked it up to see if that was even the point of that. To be but honest, to me, I don't know that I resonated. really. Yeah, I don't know that I, I actually like, put that together. Oh my gosh, he's telling them like, "Oh, you got a Bruno in your head. Just get those thoughts out." And like, so I haven't used it with the kids yet, but the, they love that movie, and yeah. I almost want to even like that. Like, obviously, my kids are at this point too young to understand what anxiety or depression or anything like that is but right if they're putting any type of bad thoughts in their head oh right he's got a bruno you can do it like right you know i mean and they would understand that they would understand yeah and i think yeah. that's i found that so interesting like during the pandemic um all you know kind of i guess post pandemic but all of the information that started coming out about young i mean young kids that were showing very strong symptoms of anxiety and depression. And obviously, like you said, they don't know to name it that, and they don't realize what it is, but it is possible for very young children to have these feelings. So I don't think it's, you know, ever too early to start building that emotional intelligence. Like it, you know, like you, like you said, find a way (laughs) to explain it or to like make it a part of your life and conversation I mean, we're not obviously going to be like quoting like textbooks to our (laughs) toddlers. Like Liam would look at you and be like, okay, dad, whatever. And like walk away, you know, he'd be like, I don't even know what you're saying. (laughs) Um, But I think you just by like, and I know this of you, like I said, you're, you are a very emotional guy and like your kids, I'm sure have seen you cry, you know, even happy tears. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even just that is a perfect exposure for them. Like, Oh, dad's crying again. You know, and it might be like, a, a, I know Trisha's kids always make fun of John because my other brother-in-law is seriously the sappiest human. I love him so much. He just at the drop of a hat will just burst into tears. <laughs> um, 
but like usually for like happy moments and the kids will kind of poke fun at them. Oh, dad's crying, you know, <laughs> but like, even just them seeing that, like, I hope for the boys that they, you know, my nephews that they see that and they're like, Oh dad, you know, but they then feel like it's okay. So yeah. I think just modeling those things for our kids is so important and it's doesn't have to be like, you know, it's intentional, but it doesn't have to be this, like sit down and have a book and, those things are super helpful, but it doesn't always have to look like that. So if you have any advice, um, to someone who's maybe dealing with anxiety, but hasn't ever really like pinpointed it as anxiety. Um, and then also second part of the question, if you have any advice to someone who is, who loves or lives with someone with anxiety. Yeah. That, that one is, is hard because you all have, have, heard me glow on my <laughs> wife here but I, I mean I truly feel so blessed with the support system I have and, and it's not only Kels it's I mean you invited me on a podcast that you know yeah. to talk about this like you support me and your family is so supportive my family is so supportive so I am very lucky and I and I understand not everyone has that I can promise you though somebody you know would be more than open to talk to you. I always love when I see it posted somewhere and, and someone's like, I'm here if you need me. I know yeah. those people, it, it seems like it's just they're posting it. I promise you it's not. People yeah. are really open and will speak with you. I'm not saying talk to some stranger. Right. Um, but what a trusted person. A trusted person. And I saw, uh, do you know Kevin Love, the basketball player? Mm, no, my husband's probably shaking his head, but yeah. no. <laughs> well, he put out, um, he has anxiety and had a panic attack and he had uh, put out an article on the Players Tribune and I thought he put it so perfectly, it, it really resonated with me. He said, everyone is going through something that we can't see. And I mean, mm. mental health is the invisible thing, right? but it really does. It touches all of us at some point or another, whether you have it or whether you don't. Um, so, you know, whether it's somebody that has anxiety, um, or maybe someone you love has depression, it's, it's not strange or different for them having any mental health issues. Um, we all are dealing and it doesn't even have to be a mental health issue. It could be anything. We all truly are going through something. Um, so I mean, just support people and love people and, I know the news and a lot of social media, even it shows a lot of bad because that, that really catches your eye. Right. But I'm telling you, people are really better than they're, than they're put out to be. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think if you see someone, you know, there's been moments in, I mean, I consider myself a pretty intuitive person. Like I'm very much like an empath. Like I see, like I can read a room pretty well. And if I feel like someone is kind of off, I might not do it right then, especially if we're in a group setting, but just sending someone a text and being like, Hey, you know, like you seem, you know, and I've done this, I've literally done this exact thing where I've sent someone a text, you know, later that night or later that, you know, the next day or whatever. And just been like, Hey, you kind of seemed off the other night. I'm just checking in on you. Like, where's your head at? And I've had multiple people be like, and I have friends that have done that for me as well. Um, and it's, first of all, it's, it makes you feel so seen. And that just is such a validation of like, okay, I do have like good people, you know, like yes. I, I can do, like, I have a support, you know, sometimes you feel like you don't. Um, and sometimes that's your 
own mental demons kind of putting that thought in your head. Um, but just like doing it. And sometimes you might feel kind of weird, especially it could be someone that you're not even that close with, you know, and you're just like, Hey, like, are you good? You know, if you are, I'm so happy, but you just seemed a little off. Is there something? And I think just being willing to do that is such a like valuable thing for people in like for people's lives, because even just at like a touch point can just make them feel seen and that might totally shift things for them. So showing up for people. Yes. That is huge. Yeah. I I would expect nothing less from you, Ellie. That is beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Um, My advice as far as like kind of, I just was talking to Jordan about this before we got on was um, you know, if you live with someone who has anxiety or love someone who has anxiety and you just don't really know what to do, um, coming from someone who has anxiety for me, what's helpful is just kind of like we said, being there and just being like listening and you don't have to fix it. And like, that's hard for me because I'm like a natural fixer and like a Mm -hmm. people pleaser. And I want to fix things for my friends and family that are like struggling, but sometimes that's not what they need. Sometimes they just need to talk or vent or whatever. And I have a friend who, this was kind of like a struggle for us a little bit because she would come to me and ask my advice. At least that's how I was perceiving it. And I would get, you know, I am on one hand very supportive, but I'm also very honest, (laughs) almost to a fault sometimes. And I would give her my very honest, you know, advice. And that wasn't what she needed, but I didn't know that. And so her and I have now gotten in the habit of, if she comes to me, I say, do you need to listen or do you need to talk? Like, do you need me to listen to you or do you need me to give you advice? Because if you just need me to listen, I'm here, you know? And so, and, and she was very receptive to that because she then felt like I wasn't constantly trying to fix her because that's what I was doing. I was trying to fix her problems all the time because that's what I thought she needed, but she actually just needed me to listen. So I guess that's my advice is if you know someone who's dealing with a lot of these issues, be open enough to, and willing enough to like ask, Hey, are you okay? Do you need to talk or do you just need me to listen? That's like, I love that can make such a world of a difference in my opinion. Yes. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or just kind of say about this topic that you think is important or, I mean, we said a lot. I think we did. And I really do. I love that we talked about this and I love how open you were. I think you helped me even, you know, open up even more than I was planning on. So I really do appreciate you for listening. And of course, um, and no, I, I hope this this resonates with some people and I hope it resonates with people who like like Jordan, who don't have this, but recognize others do and ways that, you know, it might help that person. Yeah. And I think just kind of like it's almost <laughs> weird to say it's almost a look inside of our brains. So you, <laughs> yes. you kind of have an understanding. I've kind of said to him before that sometimes, you know, specifically in our relationship, as a married couple and parents, like sometimes I, it feels like a, 
like a rat race. Like I can never, like you said, you can never catch up. It's just this constant feeling. And I, I tried to explain it to him in a way that he could understand, you know, okay, you have to go do this, but then you got to make a list. So then you got to do this. And then, (laughs) and it's just like this kind, you're like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to catch up? And it just feels like you can't. And he's like, Oh yeah, that's awful. I'm like, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly. And so sometimes just like letting someone into your brain is it's hard to do, but if you can get there, they, Oh, surrealization. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So (laughs) anyways, I just really, really appreciate you being so open. I do think this is going to be so helpful for so many people. And I really hope, um, the 18% of my audience that are men (laughs) that it's, this is mostly women at this point, but I would love more and I'm going to have more male content on here. Um, but I hope that this is helpful. I do want to say this too. Um, I, th- I thought about this earlier when we were talking is that unfortunately in our country um, and in our world, mental health, having mental health and getting help for mental health is very much a privilege. And I say, when I say that, I mean, um, therapy and counseling are not cheap. (laughs) Not everyone has insurance to get medication, you know, covered or have a very low copay. So I want to be very clear Mm -hmm. that like, I realize that there is a level of privilege in this. Um, And that's kind of hard for me to swallow a little bit because it's, you know, it's so, it's such a like, vital part of our lives is our mental health and the fact that it's not treated the way that it should be for everyone equally is just so horrible to me (laughs) so that's a a sad realization that you just made and it is it's so true yeah and so I want to be very clear that I understand that not everyone may have some of these privileges but that doesn't mean you know there I will do what I can to help connect anyone with anything that I can (laughs) So um, even if that means just being a listening ear, I am here and ready to listen. So um, yeah, so I guess we're going to go to my final question. I cannot wait to hear what this is. Um, If you could do anything just for the hell of it, Tim, what would it be? Oh, I forgot about this one. Listening to the others. I was going to say, we went real heavy. Now we're going to come in real fun. Oh, man. I think my, my unachievable one hey there's nothing unachievable well Well, you gotta wait till the end okay (laughs) would be to devote all my time to becoming a professional golf player literally (laughs) i was like he's either gonna say a professional baseball player or a professional golfer yes yeah okay so that's i don't know that i would say it's unattainable it's maybe less likely yeah um You're, you're a great golfer well thank you yeah. So uh, I just got to give up family, give up the job, <laughs> give up. You know, everything. just really dedicate my days to the links. <laughs> um, um, okay. So maybe do you have another, another one yes, that you're my, okay. my, I'd say, I know I don't want to put it like that. Achievable, I know what you achievable, mean. Though. But my achievable one is I think at some point in life, I would like to go to law school. Ooh. Um, yeah. And it doesn't even, and works kind of like said, Hey, would you like to do this? Um, okay. Just that right now, because my kids are so young, I really want to, you know, spend time with them. But if there's a, an opportunity later in life, I think that would be cool. And it doesn't yeah. even have to be like, you know, a lawyer per se. I mean, obviously, I'd get my law degree and right. 
but not in the sense of in court. And I was just going to say and yeah. stuff like that. More like um, pertaining to the work you already do. Yes. yes okay. Yes, yes. And, and potentially either an add on or this is another one is run for office. Ooh, you know, oh my gosh. Man. You are such a politician. You would be <laughs> so he's like anyone that, okay. I just got to tell this story. Tim is like the most charismatic, like Southern gentleman. Like he, the very first time we ever met him. Okay. Just, I'm going to set the scene. We were in North Carolina. It was spring, spring break, right? Yes. Or was it su- okay. Spring I think break. It was spring break. I think yeah. it was. Um, I was staying with my parents at their, um, like beach house and we we're on vacation and Kelsey was living in North Carolina at this point, working, going to school, whatever it was. Um, and she was like, I'm bringing my boyfriend over. And we were all like, well, okay. You know, she didn't have the best track record with guys. <laughs> so I was like, great. Like, this will be fun. And I'm not going to lie. I was not like excited about it. And then I opened the door. So the doorbell rings, whatever. And I don't remember if Kels was Kels already there or did Kels come with you? I think we came together. Okay. I opened the door and Tim's standing there with just this huge smile on his face. And he was like, hi, I'm Tim. And his little Southern accent. And he's holding a massive cookie cake that said like, oh my gosh, what did it say? Do you remember? Like, thanks for having me or something like so so cheesy. And I was like, okay, I I think I like you. So he came in and then he sat down. And so he is just so charismatic. Like you can't help, but like, just love him. So you would be like, you would be the best kind of politician. Like I would hope. I know. I think politicians are looked at in a poor way. They really are. But the way that you're presenting me is perfect. I think I got to hire you on as, yeah, you know, you know, Hey, maybe I'll be at whatever you do it. Maybe I'll be at that time in my (laughs) life. (laughs) Yes. And I will say, the cookie cakes have not stopped. Everything they have not stopped. We they, get a no. cookie cake every time yeah. we're down there. It's tradition now. It is tradition. Know? We get it for birthdays. We get them for just for the hell of it. Literally, <laughs> yeah. like, yes. like there's there, there will be four of us, and Kelsey and Tim are like, "Do y'all want to go get a cookie cake?" I'm like, "What? <laughs> like, sure. Like, why not?" Yeah. So I love it. Well, those are all very solid answers. Besides, you know, you can't leave your family to golf, but the rest of it, I think. All very yeah, attainable. Uh, yes. Yes. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I will, well, I'll see you soon. I'll see you in a couple months, but I, I will know. talk to you before that. Yes. Thank you so much. All Ellie. right. Thank you. I love you. All right. Love you too. Man, so, so good. Honestly, he may have a future in politics. He's so well-spoken and thoughtful with his words, and I just really appreciated his honesty and vulnerability. I know that it is not an easy topic to discuss, um, and it may not be an easy topic to listen to. And if it's something that you are struggling with, I hope that this was helpful and that you enjoyed it. Um, Or if you know someone who may find this helpful, be sure to share this. Um, It means so much to me when people share and encourage others to follow the show and I honestly I just cannot say thank you enough so if you haven't already be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode episodes come out every Thursday Um, and if you feel inclined I would love for you to rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen so until next week friends I'll see you soon